0: Hey everyone, welcome to the 5 Runo Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Campbell. Today we have a very special interview for you. I sat down with U.S. cycling legend, Fast Ready, and entrepreneur, all round badass Rachel Rapinoe at the first ever Oak Run Co. House that premiered on April 27th. We talked about what it's like being a professional athlete, starting your own business, and what everyday athletes like you can do to get better. So without further ado, here's episode. Live in direct, we one, on, let you know You're tuning in to the big five, run, oh We are hit about the status quo Running this for all in the five, run, oh Live in direct, we go on,
1: let you know You're tuning in to the big five, run, oh we are Hello. Good. All right, hey, we're live. All,
0: we're, we're back. All right. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Ale Industries for making the Night at the Moxberry. That's what we're drinking tonight. Make sure you stop over to the corn store and grab yours. And, yeah, let's sit back and uh, enjoy this great conversation we're about to have. So, yeah, if you guys want to give a quick intro to who you guys are and uh, what you're all about.
2: I'm going to go first. I'm, go first. <laughs> I'm not following him. <laughs> no. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming out tonight. Thank you, Oakland Run Co., for having me. Uh, my name is Rachel Rapino. I'm the founder and CEO of Mindy, and we are a Portland-based hemp company that's providing natural tools for people to thrive. I... Uh,
0: i think you're good now okay yeah. i'm good
2: um i come from the world of soccer some of you guys might know my twin sister megan rapino who is the pink-haired lesbian goddess that <laughs> flattened france like a crepe in the 2019 <laughs> world cup according to some magazines over there um i played soccer all growing up grew up actually in redding california so i'm a north state uh alum myself and i went and played at the university of portland We won a national championship and I had a few years abroad playing in Iceland and Germany and Holland. And really my story is that I was riddled with injuries. I uh, started, you know, I blew out my knee my freshman year and over the course of my playing career, from the age of 19 to 26, I had six surgeries. I took way too many opiates. I was prescribed way too many opiates. I come from a long line of uh, drug abuse in my family. And nobody ever asked me about my family history in, of addiction and substance abuse. And so it was an interesting early and mid-20s, but ultimately it led me to a career in the health and wellness industry. I got my master's in exercise science, and I built a training career in Portland training elite, collegiate, and professional athletes. And really, it was just a mission to help train kids in a way that was more intentional and that just developed them athletically in a safe and effective way. And during the course of that first company that I built, um, I had a lot of professional athletes asking me about hemp and cannabis products, and they wanted me to be the authority. And of course, we all grew up in the Just Say No to Drugs era, so I hadn't really taken cannabis products, although I had taken more opiates than like anyone ever should at that age but it got me thinking. A lot of my professional athletes were using cannabis products and they felt better on them. They slept better. It was getting them off a lot of the more harmful, addictive drugs that they were on. So I started using them myself. It had a profound impact on my life. Definitely helped me sleep. It reduced my stress and anxiety. And it led me to Mindy. And so we founded this company a couple years ago. And really the mission is to help people like you Thrive naturally, so you can continue doing all the things that you love with the people you love, and just getting you away from harmful over-the-counter medications and obviously prescription drugs. So that's really the mission. That's my why. I've been doing. I've been working in the health and wellness industry for over 10 years. I just have a passion for providing healthy tools for active lifestyles, um, and hopefully we can make a small impact in your world. So that's my that's my journey.
1: Wow, that's actually a hard. Act to follow. Was like, yeah. That was a lot of great stuff. <laughs> well, my name's Freddie Rodriguez. Uh, I'm a, a ex-professional cyclist. Uh, my nickname in cycling was Fast Freddy, Hence, uh, you know today's fl- finish of the run. I had to sprint a little bit he, at the end. He but, won, uh, by the way, the sprint. <laughs> just so I, that's clear. <laughs> oh, I, I was joking. I was like, you don't let a sprinter get to the line. So Anyway, uh, my, you know, my, my big accolades in sport were I was a four-time U.S. professional champion. I just found out that I was the oldest U.S. professional champion. So, you know, I, I raced into my 40s. Uh, I had an over-20-year career. Um, I was on the Olympic team in 2000. Um, I have raced seven Tour de France's, uh, uh, 10 Grand Tours, um, multiple, I would say multiple seconds, you know, Milan-San Remo, gent wevelgem which were some of the World Cups. Um, so, uh, a, a, an amazing career, and, you know, now when I look back at it, you know, sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you're like, God, I just would have won, but more, but, you know, it's it's that competitive nature that we all have as athletes. Uh, and now, you know, as, as I've retired, I, I started a clothing company that, uh, cycling apparel named Fast Freddy, for my nickname, um, it's all made here in Oakland. Uh, our, my goal as a, as a retired athlete was to make an impact in our society, and I felt like, you know, for, 20 years, it was, it was all about me, all about trying to be successful as an athlete, my team, and um, I wanted to do something where I felt that uh, I was giving back. You know, it, was, it wasn't about capitalism. It wasn't about making money. It was about doing something, supporting our local economy, making good product, um, having an association to the sport that I love, and uh, that led me to start a foundation called Fast Ready Foundation, and our goal there was to inspire kids through the love of Cycling and the skills you learn from a bike so we donate bikes to the inner-city kids around the Bay Area We've done project with Patrick Dempsey over in Maine and given bikes out in Maine We've done a project with Bobby Labonte a NASCAR driver and we given bikes out in North Carolina, so really passionate about giving back Many years ago, it was all about me now. I have three kids, you know And th- that's my passion right now is getting my kids through their childhood having make sure that they're also inspired and excited about life, excited about you know, if they want to be an athlete, go for it. You know? So that's what I'm about right now, and I'm excited to be here today. I had a really fun time running with you guys today. I'm excited to see you guys run on this weekend. Sorry I can't be there, but uh, I'll, be in, I'll be supporting. That's awesome. So
0: either of you can answer this question first, but both of you have done more than most people do in their, their entire lives. And what led to you, what was the catalyst moment, for you to take that leap to, I want to become a professional cyclist, I want to start my own business, because those are two things that most people never do or are just too scared to pursue.
1: I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start off. Um, for me, it was uh, my father was an athlete, he was also a musician, he was a classical clarinetist, but uh, he, loved, he loved sports, he was, uh, at, he was in from Colombia, and um, when we immigrated to the US, cycling was part of our life. It's funny, it's like I was actually a soccer player before I came as a cyclist, and one day all of a sudden the ball was gone, and I was all about cycling, and it kind of made sense. My dad was a cyclist. So. But he took me to go watch the Olympics in '84, and I got to see Alexi Grewal win the gold medal in front of, you know, felt like th- thousands of people, and we actually had to camp out the night before to be able to get a spot at the finish line to see the race. Uh, and that was the moment you know where I was like, "Wow, that was amazing you know i 'm here, I get to see that and that let that put the seed into me to to want to be you know to to want to try to see if I could be you know be an athlete and you know ne- never did I think I was going to get to that level, but that was that was the dream
2: yeah i don 't know if I can pinpoint it to one thing it's it 's a, a amalgamation of things, but you know, I was I was an athletic kid, and I had a twin, so it was like built-in 1v1 all the time. So I think that developed a competitive spirit, and I, I have a, a, a competitive drive and like an addiction to it. I don't know if you can relate to that, but there's like a competitive spirit that when you're playing at elite level, when you train for something big, you know, you crave that. But I also grew up with the 1999ers. Does everyone know like the US women's soccer team, 1999ers, right? So I mean that really, that was the first opportunity for anyone my age and us millennials to see women professional athletes having a pathway to the pros. I mean, that uh, pre-99ers, like you just didn't even see that. So if I'm being totally honest, I think that was the first opportunity for that. I connected the dots of like, oh, maybe this thing can get me out of Redding, California. (laughs) Like maybe I can actually have a pathway to go play college, to get out of Redding and to make something of my life. Because remember, I grew up in Redding, which is a rural town. It was hit hard by Uh, heroin and and meth and I had you know a lot of drug and alcohol abuse in my family and a lot of trauma for that so I think it you know it was the competitive spirit but it was also like oh this could be a pathway to do more with my life and to get an education and my parents didn't have the money for college so it was basically like you either get a scholarship or you go to Shasta College which like if anyone's ever seen Shasta College it's dreadful like I don't I didn't want to go there so it was just, it was a pathway for opportunity, I guess, in a, in a long winded way. That's, that's really what like, led me to the sport and, and got me out of Reading. And then the more you train, the, the more doors open up for you. And so I think it's truly, soccer has been a, a life of opportunity that I am forever grateful for. It's allowed me to travel the world and coach people from all over the world and do humanitarian work and to start two businesses. And I am forever indebted to the sport, because it really has just been a vehicle for me for my entire life.
0: That's amazing. So, uh, Freddie, you run a charity still, and you, we were talking on the run. You still cycle and play soccer, and, Rachel, you obviously are running a company. What continues to drive you today to continue to do is to, to run a charity and to run a business. What, what would you say are your, like, drivers?
2: representation for me it really is it's about giving more people a seat at the table um tables are not often built for women for our queer communities for our communities of color and i think now my purpose my it's really mindy is a mindy is a conduit for healing and it's a conduit for helping people thrive and and to hopefully make everyone feel better or tap into a better version of themselves um, in terms of, like, the company itself, though, it's really just a vehicle for representation, and I think that's going to be probably my life's work forever.
1: Yeah, I would say it's a little similar for me. I feel like, uh, you know, because I've, I've already achieved that, that dream that I had, and, but I have that now, that knowledge of what it took to, to get there, and so I'm, I want to share that, you know. I want to share it through experiences. I want to share it through my kids. I want to share it through other people that I coach, and um, I'm I'm a little saddened sometimes that we we um, we we associate competitiveness with aggressiveness. You know, we're we're athletes. We're human beings. We were talking about it today. We 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 are also we also make mistakes. You know, you can't hold us up to this pedestal and expect us to always be perfect. And I feel that when I watch fans sometimes, I'm like, that's not very nice. Would would you do that to your son? Talk to a, an athlete on the TV, you know, like that. I mean, it's just like, imagine it was your son. I would say, m- imagine it was your kid. So I feel like I'm in a, in a place where I wanna inspire. I wanna let people, you know, for me, it's like I, I, was, I felt like I was lucky to have parents and people around me that allowed me to live a dream, to, 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 to support me in the process of a, of a journey. And I never felt, you know, yes, I, you, you heard the people say, you know, this is really hard to get to, you know, what are the chances you're gonna make it? You know, but I had enough support and enough balance, you know, to, from people around me to give me that strength to go out there and try something that was risky. Um, and I want to, I want to instill that spirit, you know, that spirit in the, into the people I train, my kids, the people that I work with that go ahead, take that risk. Well, we got you, you know. That's awesome. Um,
0: I'd love to hear like both sides from an athlete side and then also a business side. How you eat. each of you take on like adversity, like Freddie, you as an athlete, like I'm sure, I mean when you were going for your fourth U.S. net like champions title, like I'm sure people were like, you can't, you're too old, or you're not, you're not gonna, there's gonna be a 20-something year old that's gonna take the title. And then Rachel, with you, like you're saying, like a lack of representation, and also knowing that something like 95% of business, like small businesses fail, like what, how do you, how do you mentally take on that? where there might be so, many, so much outside pressure saying, no, you're not going to be able to do that, you're not going to succeed?
1: I, I mean, for, for me, it's like uh, it's you, you, like I was saying, it's like you have to be able to, if you feel you're supported, if you feel you have a, an opportunity, you're willing to take those risks. Because you know? you're not, you're not, at the end of the day, if you feel like you, you have a family and friends are going to back you up, you're always going to be able to take that, 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 that journey and failure is part of the process, you know, and it's like I, 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 I try to instill that in my kids and the people I coach, it's like, keep trying. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, you know, I'm going to kind of lead you in the right direction, but I want you to go out there and experience it yourself and, and be okay with failure. You know, it's like I, as, you know I, I always had a saying, it's like, I win a little and I lose a lot, and I have to be okay with that because that's what makes me better. And we, as athletes, I think, and as competitors, we've been okay with that. And we always want to get back up and, and, and challenge yourself and, and, okay, I fell again, okay, get back up, do it again, do it again. And setting that mindset that it's okay. Because a lot of people are not, 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 not willing to take that, that many losses. And I think it's something in, that should be instilled in, in, in our kids.
2: I think for me my approach is does everyone know the story of the tortoise and the hare yeah. So the hare is very fast and he you know the hare wants the fast fun easy route but oftentimes the hare gets very distracted by things <clears throat> So ultimately the tortoise ends up winning the race because the tortoise might be slower but he's more focused and he has an unrelenting desire to finish the race and that is truly my approach to everything in life, and it could be contributed to my athletic background. I, I love the process, and I don't believe in endpoints. Um, so it's like the discipline and, and the desire and the unrelenting will to just like, continue on. Because to your point, you're going to fail, obviously. You're going to fail over and over again. And hopefully you can learn, adapt, and grow. But I always take the approach of the tortoise, even though it sounds less sexy and less fun as the hare. Although, I will say, fortune does favor the bold a lot of times. So I do appreciate the hare's boldness and wanting to be fast and loose and fun. Um, but to answer your question, I try to keep the mindset of the tortoise with me pretty much in, in all aspects of my life because I just I think it really is about the process and, and your willingness to, to fail and to learn, adapt, and grow. Um, and it's certainly been my mindset with Mindy.
0: That's awesome. Um, what to go dive a little deeper. Do you guys have a uh, like a mental routine? Do you do yoga every morning? Do you do a mindfulness exercise? Or like
1: what, what do you do to continue that mindset? I think for, for cycling, it's a little bit like running because we do a lot of our training is individual training. Uh, we only and cycling uh, as a sport. As a profession, you mostly race with your team. You don't, and you train a lot by yourself. So you get a lot of time to, to self, you know, self-focus. And uh, so I was, I got really comfortable from a young age of uh, uh, of visualizing, you know, and experimenting with, uh, with ideas of how to race, you know, and uh, and usually through those, uh, I would always uh, incorporate a lot of uh, failure. I mean, not not because I wanted failure, but because I persevere from the failure, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really hurting, and I'm suffering, and what do I do in this situation? How do I get out of this? How do I, how do I, and of course, I always, my outcome was a positive outcome, so I was always looking for that positive outcome. So, I mean, so a lot of visualization, visualization was a big part of, of uh, who, who I was as an athlete.
2: Yeah, I, first of all, I'm a big believer in therapy. Um, I've been doing therapy for, you know many years, and it's been an invaluable tool for me, But my therapist helped me build a mindfulness practice. So I meditation has completely changed my life. I'm a big believer in meditation and just like calming your mind. For me, I do it every morning, um, and then journaling as well. So, you know, definitely developed a mindfulness practice over the years, which has helped me deal with a lot of like stress and anxiousness that I feel for sure with running a business. but, I would highly recommend therapy, um, but also meditation as well.
0: Amazing. So for our everyday athletes, and specifically for the ones running the Bay Bridge half this Sunday, what can those athletes take from a professional stance and apply it to their everyday runs, to their, like, I'm just a weekend warrior. Like uh, when, say, I go for a run, and it's only a three-mile run, but it sucked, and I am now, like... Discouraged. Like, what, what can I take from, from what you guys have learned being business leaders and professional athletes and apply it to the everyday athlete?
1: I mean, we were just talking about it just recently. You know, we're both really passionate in the coaching of, of athletes and the physiology of it and how it works. And a lot of it has to do with how, you know, we want to feel good in the process. We, it's about feeling good. And for some reason, we've gotten this mindset, no pain, no gain. That's not true. Most athletes do not suffer through pain. They're looking for feeling good in the process because that will take you longer. It might be, it might feel a little slower. You might feel like you're like, oh, I'm just I'm not going that fast. But you know, I always say it's like you got to go slow to go fast. You got to walk before you run. That's that mindset will get you so much further than just trying to hurry it up. Like I just want to go fast and see how fast I can go. That's you know, and so and those are things that you build over time and luckily i've been blessed to have a lot of great coaches and sports scientists have taught me the science behind it and you know and i've applied it and i've seen it work and become a believer um, you know f- you know i coined named a, a hashtag zone two baby and that whole idea is like it's zone two is like if you in the endurance world is exercising at a comfortable pace a talking pace an aerobic pace uh, a comfortable, you know, just where your body's just feeling in control of, of the destiny, and that's where you have most of your gains. Not in the intensity. Of course intensity is important, but I always, I, I, you know, I empower you to go out there and take it easy. Try to get over, through the run feeling good. You know, it's like I always say, you don't want to finish a workout and feel like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm gonna do tomorrow. That is not a professional attitude. A professional attitude is like, I need to be ready. When I finish my workout, I have to be ready for tomorrow. And if I've pushed it so far that I feel like I can't do tomorrow, something went wrong.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I tell people all the time, you know, listening to your body is such a valuable tool. And sometimes for me, like I can only do a 15 minute workout, you know? There are some things I regret in life, but typically I never regret a workout. So like I always lead with, that's kind of like my life mantra I don't ever regret a workout, but to your point, I don't kill myself. So if I can only do a 20-minute workout, that's all I can do. I still have friends that, you know, wanna go balls to the wall all the time and then they pull their calf and they're out for six weeks. So I think listening to your body, first and foremost, is so important because sometimes all your body can give is a 15-minute circuit or a 20-minute interval and that's totally okay. And another thing is People often forget that recovery is part of training. So just making sure that you're doing all the things outside of running or outside of the gym to recover, whether it's a bath or you know massage or you know stretching. Um, but I think recovery is like you know such an important part of like a training program that often gets overlooked. And to your point, you want to make sure that you're feeling refreshed going into the next day or into the next bout of exercise. So.
1: That's very helpful. (laughs) Um, So don't don't do what we did like where you sprinted into the (laughs) final. That was was just trying to show off.
0: (laughs) I was trying to win. Um, In the age of social media, and especially Strava, uh, running and cycling can be so individualistic. But when you're posting your times on Strava, it can be hard for it to feel individualistic you might always see Paul's always running like a 630 mile and you're just starting to train for a half marathon and you can only do an 830 or a nine minute mile and you're comparing yourself to someone that's maybe been running 20 years competitively how how should someone take on that like when you're it's so easy to compare yourself and like you're saying like you never get a workout but you pull up instagram and you always see someone doing like hitting a max every single day or just you see soccer players around the world doing crazy things. that are like maybe 12 years old, and you're like, I can't even do that. Um, how how do you how would someone like take that in and try not to compare themselves to every single time they see?
2: Well, in the words of Brene Brown, comparison is the thief of joy. So. As hard as it is not to compare ourselves to other people, especially in the world that we live in, I think that is definitely the ultimate goal, right? It's, it's hard to do, but definitely um, not comparing yourself to other people and what they're doing. And again, just like listening to your body and knowing what you're capable of and knowing where you're at. That would be, that's, you know, it's a work in progress for me, but it's an important thing to remember, I think.
1: I mean, look at the real data. I mean, uh, if you really want to compare yourself, Realistically, you know, I was just, I, uh, I'm friends with uh, Chad Hall and his brother's Ryan Hall, you know, one of our best marathoners. And Ryan, uh, Chad is also an amazing cyclist, runner. And they always talk about it. his brother says he runs, you know, he, when he's running a marathon, he's running at four, four something pace, you know, per mile. Because when he, when he does in his, his endurance runs, he's running like eight and a half minute miles. Now, do the math, do the percentage. So if he's running four and a half minute miles or four fifteen, whatever he's running, and he's running almost double the distance, double the, the time, what should you be doing? If your pace is eight minute miles, nine minute miles, you should probably be doing twelve. You know, percentage-wise, to what he's calling his easy long runs. I don't think people do that. They, they we, you know, I was in cycling. Um, my endurance pace was I can cruise, when I was really fit, I can cruise down down the road at 20, 25 miles an hour and be super comfortable. And people would see me, it's like, oh, I gotta train like Freddy. I'm like, no, 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 you, you can't, that's for, you. you going 25 miles an hour is probably sprint. You can't do that. You go, you're, you go, you're comfortable and I'll go my comfortable. And it's, it's something hard to put it in perspective for people. So it's like, we can't, so realistically, people should be training on their own, because it's really hard to run in a group and everybody to be running at the same pace. Basically, my heart rate was 140 for most of the run. I don't know what everybody else was. Mine was 170. So okay. that's not cool if you're really working on a base run, right? So p- put it into perspective, you know. And that's always what I try to tell people. That's great.
0: I'm, I'll, I'm definitely going to use that advice, but next time you challenge me to sprint Freddy, I'm going to try to win. Um, <laughs> So I have some rapid fire questions for you guys, um, so say the first thing that comes to mind, don't try to overthink it. Yeah. Favorite cheat meal? Favorite what? Cheat meal. If you're like, I don't care about what I'm going to eat, oh, cheat, meal.
1: cheat meal, yeah. For me in bike racing, I, you know, I always loved baguette and Nutella, it was like my go-to energy, I need some quick fuel.
2: Two things popped to mind, honestly. I mean, I first thing popped to mind was definitely just a burger and fries. I love a good burger and fries, but I also love a good pizza.
0: What do you want on your burger, though?
2: Are you just... I want a bison burger. Oh Yeah, with a, like a toasted brioche bun. I want... Ketchup and mustard, pickles, lettuce, tomato. I'm not really into cheese or bacon or the egg thing. I just, I want like a juicy Classic
0: burger, but it's bison.
2: I want truffle fries though, (laughs) for sure.
0: Are you guys early morning or late night workers? If you're like, are you hitting email and going straight to work right when you wake up or do you need some time?
2: I mean, I peak at like 12 p.m., I think. So I, I do all my best work before 12.
1: It's, in, in cycling, most of our races are later in the day, so I, I got really accustomed to be like a midday guy. My, my best workouts were in the middle of the day, so I tend to go longer towards the night.
2: Wait, what was your cheat meal, though? Oh, you already said it. That's right. <laughs> Nutella.
1: Nutella and baguette.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: Music or no music when working out? And if music, what genre of music?
1: For me it was always, I, 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 because I used, loved visualization, I used music more of as a background. So it was like a, it was hip hop, it was, a, you know, dance, high rhythm, you know, I, I listened to the rhythm, I listened to the beat, and, I, and that really kind of motivated me into, in and then I, I help out with the visualization and the, and the effort of the workout.
0: Off the top of your head, do you have like a go-to song? Like if you had to,
1: if you had to play one right now. I, I, I don't, I mean, cause I, I just put in like a certain genre and I just go for it. All
2: right. I am like truly a 95 year old grandma. So, uh, and I like hate technology and I hate devices. So I am one of those weirdos that does not like to listen to music when I work out, but mostly just because like, I don't want to be connected to my phone. Like, my workout's, like, my sacred time. I want to leave my phone and everything in my car and just be completely disconnected. So it's not that I hate music. I'm blasting music on the way there, usually. But, like, when I'm working out, I think I just, I prefer the quiet. I want the peace and quiet.
0: Who was your childhood role model growing
1: up? it's a, that's always a question that I've always had a hard time answering because I, I felt like I, I took different pieces from different people. You know, it's like my grandma with my love, you know, she's the one that taught me compassion and and caring, you know, my parents were immigrants from Colombia that had to persevere and you know, so they taught me grit and, and, and drive. You know, my coaches were were the ones instilled that dream, you know, that the, the tools to to teach me how to how to live my dream, right? So I kind of gather all these different characters and put together my own role model of a person. You know, I've never had that specific athlete that I'd like, oh, I want to be like Eddie Merckx or Greg LaMond. It's more these specific characters in my life that really kind of impacted me and made me who I was.
2: Well, for me, as an athlete, it was definitely Michael Jordan and Michelle Lakers. We had, like, the six-foot-six cardboard cutout of Michael Jordan. My mom is a waitress still to this day, so she, she usually gets home at, like, 11, 11.30 at night. And the six-foot-six cardboard cutout would always, like, freak her out when she would come home. <laughs> and so she'd always get really scared. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely MJ... And then Michelle Akers, she was, you know, center mid, attacking mid, number 10. She was a beast in the midfield. So my favorite number still to this day is number 10. Uh, She was was definitely my role model.
0: If your life was made into a movie, what genre would it be? And if you can think of it, who would you ideally have play you in that movie?
1: Wow, Wow, that's a hard one. Wow. I would... Um, I would say mine would be a, like an action drama and it would be something of like an athletic perseverance where you're suffering and trying to figure out how to, you know, and through teamwork and, and grit you finally found an outcome and the only thing I could think of is uh, probably Freddie Rodriguez because I'm, I'm always getting him mixed up in my social media and he pops up as an actor. So.
2: <laughs> oh God, that's so hard to answer. Definitely not a scary movie because I hate anything scary or disturbing. Probably, I know this is kind of boring, but maybe just like a good old drama. Um, Like a coming of age, you know, like a a narrated over coming of age, female-centric, Diane Keaton, like an older version of me, Diane Keaton, I I love her. (laughs)
0: And one last time for all, everyone running the Bay Bridge, and let's not forget all of our wonderful volunteers as well, as, as well that are going to get up super early to help out. Uh, any last like word of advice for everyone? The race is this Sunday. What, as athletes, should they be mentally doing and preparing leading up to
1: this race? I, you know, I think, and we were talking about a little bit of, right before we got on stage, is like um, I feel that being an, being an athlete al- allows you to be competitive without it being, you know, no one's losing their job. You're not gonna get fired. You're, you're out there to achieve your own personal goal. And um, we live in a society where there's so many expectations and so much of this idea of capitalism and like we're fighting to get to, you know, against each other. And this is, a, you know, sports are a great opportunity to be cooperative. To, you know, we always—I always talk about in, in, in with my son playing soccer. It's like, without the other eleven other players, you can't play. They're your friends too. You have—you need those situations. You know, without all the other runners out there, you can't compete. You know, so they're part of your posse. You know, they're part of your journey and uh, enjoy it and collaborate and discover together.
2: Yeah, his is way more profound than mine. I'm obviously going to do a shameless Mindy plug right now, because <laughs> that's why we're here. Uh, we're selling starter kits, so I recommend kickstarting your recovery after the race on Sunday with some Mindy for some full body recovery. Um, obviously. I like there, it. 20 bucks.
1: I do want to know what Mindy stands for
2: on the mend. Yeah, it's, it was mend. It was obviously playing off recovery, but we didn't want any like new-agey, restorative language in there. And we just put an I on the end of it, because, you know, I wanted two syllables. <laughs> and I liked the way that the I rolled off the tongue. So, yeah, like it. a recovery brand.
0: Freddie, that makes me curious now. Who, do you remember who gave you Fast Freddie as a nickname, or did you give that to yourself?
1: It was... No, <laughs> I wish... No, I <laughs> It's funny. Have you guys ever watched American Flyers, the movie? There's a movie that was made for cycling. It was drama action kind of a, uh, and it was a, it, it, there was a, there was an Italian rider that put his pump into the, into the spokes of the other of the other r- racer. It was and supposedly back in the day that was a tactic. You know, you take out the guys by crashing them. Um, and so that guy was actually a commentator also in, 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 in sports. And so when I, was in, I lived in LA growing up, and of course, so he was in films, um, he, uh, he just saw me going fast, and he goes, that's Fast Freddy, and it stuck. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, well,
0: anything else you guys would like to say like, or touch on expand before we, we uh, conclude this conversation?
2: No, just thank you guys for having Mindy here. We appreciate coming down from Portland, um, and we hope to see you guys at some future events.
1: Yeah, same here, guys. Uh, Enjoy your run. Like I said, uh, on on the run, you can't go hard on the day of the race, so give it your best and enjoy it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys all for coming out tonight. Thank you guys for coming to the launch of the Oak Run Co. House. And yeah, thank you thank you, L Industries, for the wonderful beer tonight as well. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you.